Let's talk about faith, the faith, the faith. Let's talk about faith. Let's talk about faith, the faith, the faith. Let's talk about faith. Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Confessions of a Christian Kid. I'm your host, Christopher David Gray, where we are cutting through religion to find the true Christ. In this episode, we're going to talk about faith. The Christian belief system and religion in general has a very skewed idea of faith. The best way of understanding this is their idea of faith is kind of like the kindergarten or preschool version of it. Their kind of faith keeps them in the wilderness, wandering around in circles. But true faith is where you march into your own personal promised land and realize if all of this Jesus, God, Bible stuff is true and I have personal sovereignty, well, then that means I have power to affect change in my own life. The way that the idea of faith works with personal sovereignty is it's one thing for me to talk about, hey, God has given you personal sovereignty. You have authority over your life. Nobody gets to tell you what to do. But if you don't actually have the power to affect change in your life, then what's the point of having the sovereignty? You know, when the tax man comes to your door and you say, well, hey, I have personal sovereignty and they say, oh, well, that's great, but we have handcuffs and guns and a squad car. You know, you feel like, okay, well, it's, it's great to have this idea of personal sovereignty, but where is the power behind it, right? That's why faith is really important, that it's not just an idea. The Christian belief system and religious idea of faith really is sort of a collectivist idea, right? We come together in church, we pledge allegiance to the Bible, pledge allegiance to God, we remind ourselves of all these things that we believe and we call that faith, right? I believe in God, that's my faith. We see this battle between people who believe in God and people who are atheists. And you know, we tell our kids things like, hey, if you're a good Christian, go to school and carry your Bible. That way people know that you believe in God. And that's somehow making a stand for God. Like God is proud of you because you're standing up and saying, I believe that there's a God. I believe that God exists. Well, that's not actually faith. Um, in the book of James, it says, Okay, so you'd say that you believe in God. Hey, even the demons, even the devils believe in God, right? If you want to be pleasing to God, you have to believe that he is. Yes, that's basic. That's kindergarten. That's preschool. You don't get any points for that. You have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The difference between us, we who believe in God and the demons who also believe that there is a God is it's not just belief in the existence of, it's a believing in. The real difference there is the difference between the way I view God and the way the demons view God is I believe that God is good and that all good comes from him and the demons don't. That's the difference. But this idea that we have been given of faith in the Christian belief system, it's not correct. The kind of faith that we see in the Christian belief system is people wandering around the wilderness, right? Thinking that, okay, we have the Ten Commandments. Okay, now, if I believe in God, then that means that I believe that the Ten Commandments were given by God, and then I obey them. That's how I have faith. I have faith in God. God, there's a God, and he gave me the Ten Commandments, and now I follow the Ten Commandments and because I have faith. Even if all the people around me are not obeying the Ten Commandments, I have faith in God. That's what faith is. But the Apostle Paul actually said, no, that's not faith either. That's not even going far enough, right? Because just believing in God and just believing in the Ten Commandments, that level of faith kept the children of Israel just wandering around in the wilderness. 
So there's a whole other level to this idea of faith. It's an idea of moving into the promised land. And the reason why I believe that we don't totally get this from church is because, again, the idea of faith in church is just this collectivist thing. Like we're pledging together. Okay, we all believe in God. We believe that he's in control. We believe these things and we're coming together and saying we believe. But spirituality is supposed to be a personal thing. We're talking about personal sovereignty, like your personal life. It's not everyone moving together into the promised land. It's you moving into your own personal promised land. When you look at Hebrews chapter 11, which everyone knows is the chapter where the author talks about all these heroes of faith, and some people call it the hall of faith. All of the examples of people who had faith, they were all very personal acts. Noah had faith, so he built the ark. Sarah had faith and she gave birth to Isaac. All these things, these examples of what true faith is are very personal things. No one's getting congratulated in that chapter because they believed in the existence of God or they believe that God had ideas about what's right and wrong. That's not what's happening here. It's a very personal thing related to personal sovereignty. So in other words, if I believe there's a God and I believe in this whole Bible thing and I believe in this whole spiritual reality and I believe in personal sovereignty, then what would my life look like? Faith is what causes me to go into the promised land. And what's more is we need to realize, again, the idea that we have been given a faith in the Christian church, Christian belief system is not even remotely true. Why does the Apostle Paul say anything not done in faith is sin? Why does he say that? Have you ever heard a preacher talk about that? Here we are labeling everything. This is right. This is wrong. If you do that, that's bad. That's a sin. This is a sin. This is sin. And Apostle Paul is saying like, hey, if you saw the true reality, how things really work, you would realize that everything is a sin unless it's done in faith. So that's the way I see this, that faith and sin are the yin and the yang. Faith is the opposite of sin. Sin is the opposite of faith. It says without faith faith, it's impossible to please God. Anything not done in faith is sin. So it's really impossible to have a conversation about faith without bringing in the idea of sin. Because in order for us to understand something, it's really helpful to see its opposite. When we have a conversation about sin, we'll also talk about faith. So we see that there is no righteousness without faith. The very clear idea of living by faith is having a personal relationship. People say this all the time. It's a bumper sticker. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. Absolutely. Yes, because it's personal sovereignty. This is a personal thing. It has to be personal faith, personal faith power. Your faith is not just believing in a God, not just believing in the Ten Commandments, not just believing in your own morality. It's a whole other level. True spirituality is a whole other level. The Christian belief system can't take you beyond the wilderness. If you stick with religion, you're just going to be wandering around in the wilderness because their whole idea of what faith is, is obeying God and being a moral person. They get stuck on morality that this is what faith is. I believe in God and therefore I am a good person. And that's what's going to be pleasing to God. But that's not what we see in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. We have to remember, if you read the Apostle Paul, we read the teachings of Christ, what we're trying to accomplish in true spirituality is a life that is led by the Spirit, led by your still small inner voice, your conscience, your intuition. That is what we are trying to achieve. 
And if we're looking outside of ourselves and we're thinking of faith as just this collective pledge allegiance to the Bible, that's a kindergarten idea of it. It's like, yes, in order to get to faith, you're right. You have to believe that there is a God, but you also have to believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's another level to this. So here we are talking about faith and anything not done in faith is sin. So sin is simply a lack of faith. That true faith is not just seeing reality the way that it is. Because in true faith, if you saw reality, the spiritual reality, the way it is, then you would automatically exercise this creative faith to basically do whatever you want to accomplish in your life. Faith is what moves us forward in our life. Faith is a creative act. Sin is where we're marching around in the wilderness. Half the time we're marching towards Egypt, back towards slavery. Half the time we're marching towards the promised land in circles, back and forth, getting nowhere. One step forward, one step back. That's sin. The idea of missing the mark. Sin is actually an archery term. It means missing the mark. So that's why the Apostle Paul says anything not done in faith is sin, because the whole idea of sin is that you miss the mark. What is the mark? That's really the question. Is the mark being like God? Is the mark being good? Is the mark being a good person? Is the mark obeying the Ten Commandments? Is the mark being a good member of your church? Is What is the mark? Is it being like God? In true spirituality, you realize like, no, the mark is God. The mark is not just being like God. The mark is God. The mark is realizing that God is guiding you from within yourself. The mark is realizing that the inner guidance, the morality, the faith, the power that you need is already within you. And learning how to listen to that still small voice, learning to listen to the spirit, because when you're looking outside of yourself for direction for your life, almost inevitably, that is sin. It's sin in the sense of you're missing the mark. The mark is inside of you. What you really want is to connect to the still small voice inside of you. That's the mark. So religion would have us to believe that putting our faith in rules, even in the Ten Commandments, even in being this moral person, looking to these rules outside of yourself, lining yourself up with those things, that is the mark. They think that that is essentially all there is to Christianity. If you just do those things, then God will magically bless you. But if you've lived this life like I have, and put these things to test, you realize like that doesn't actually work. It doesn't work. I don't care how good you think you are or how good you keep these laws and you're a good person. God doesn't just automatically bless you. Morality is sort of, again, like a kindergarten level of understanding. Yes, there's a basic understanding. The Ten Commandments are this idea of don't do this and don't do that. With the Ten Commandments, we clearly saw that this is personal sovereignty, right? It's just a general idea of, of you can't take from somebody else. You have your own sovereignty. You're not allowed to do that. Okay, so now that you have this power, what do you do with it? In religion, if we're always obsessed with the things that we're not allowed to do, we're not living in faith because faith is a proactive, positive force. Most of the rules and regulations of religion are prohibitions. They are negatives. Don't do this. Don't do that. But if you want to have a successful life, 
you realize, and this is just really basic, put on your child's mind and realize that what I'm saying right now is something super, super simple. If you want to move forward, you have to take a step forward. Following the law is like saying, don't take this step backwards. If you take this step backwards, that's bad. Don't do it. So what religion gets you to believe is like, okay, you didn't take that step backwards. You didn't break the 10 commandments. Good for you. Look at you. You're not breaking the 10 commandments. You're not doing bad things. Good for you. Pat on the back. And the Bible, God, Jesus, the apostle Paul is saying, no, that's not enough. Abstaining from doing bad things to people is not enough to get you any good in your life, right? In order to get good in your life, you have to plant seeds. So morality and the Ten Commandments are just telling you, don't steal seeds from other people. That's all it's saying. It's so basic. It's so kindergarten. Don't take seeds from other people. Don't reap what other people have sown. Don't steal. Don't covet. Don't lie. It's just saying very clearly, don't do this. This is not the way that life is lived. If you want to be a farmer, don't go around stealing other people's crops. If you want to be a farmer, what you have to do is you have to get your own land. You have to plant your own seeds to watch them grow. And this is what the true spiritual life is about. And this is what Jesus was talking about. This is what Moses demonstrated to us. This is what the Apostle Paul was talking about. Religion, morality gets you obsessed with this idea. Hey, if you just abstain from stealing from other people, then God will magically bless you in your life. And we spend all of our time and energy just fighting against our human nature, fighting against our sinful nature. Let's face it, this advice is valuable to us. It gets us to see that, hey, this part of me that wants to be jealous, this part of me that wants to steal from other people, that wants to focus on what other people have and realize like, hey, it's not fair that they have all this money. Like I should go get some of this money, right? We're looking at what other people have and saying, I should have that. Essentially, what the Ten Commandments and basic, basic religion are saying is that is not how life is lived. Taking from somebody else is not the true reality because those people that you want to take from, the reason why they have what they have is because they planted seeds for themselves and they grew it up. But the basic idea, I hope you understand this, is that we can't be successful by just abstaining from taking from other people. That's like kindergarten, right? Don't steal, don't kill, don't be a bad person. We get stuck in this because the more we stare at these rules and we look inside of ourselves and we see like, oh my gosh, there's a reason why those laws exist because we do all have this propensity. If we catch ourselves looking at what other people have, comparing ourselves to other people, we have a propensity to automatically start feeling jealous, automatically start feeling like, hey, I want that, I want that, comparing ourselves. Ultimately, what we see is the Bible is telling us, okay, you can't live like that. If you accomplish morality the way the Bible talks about and being a good Christian like the Christian belief system talks about, essentially what you end up with is nothing. You're doing nothing. Good job. You're not being a bad person. I'm going to pat you on the back because you're not being a bad person. Good for you. 
But there's a huge difference between not being a bad person and actually being a good person who is using faith and planting your own seeds to march into your own personal promised land. And I think that's why in this biblical metaphor of the Exodus, we have these three different places. We have Egypt, which is abject slavery, and we have the promised land, which is the good place. But in between those two things, there is this middle ground that, that we can get stuck in. The way I see religion and the Christian belief system is religion is useful and that it can help you come out of Egypt. And it can teach you things like the Ten Commandments and teach you these basic, basic things like kindergarten kind of stuff. Hey, if you want to be a successful person, you've got to stop looking at life in this way. Stop looking to other people for your salvation. Stop looking to your neighbor and stealing the fruit off of his tree because that's a violation of his sovereignty. And ultimately, as we go more down this road, we realize the reason why we do that is not because God is up there smacking your hand every time you steal a peach off your neighbor's tree, but because you reap what you sow. If you're a thief, then guess what? Chances are you're probably going to experience people stealing from you. That's the way it works. In Eastern religions, they call this karma. Jesus called it the law of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. And so again, this Old Testament idea, very basic, is like, okay, come out of Egypt, stop being a slave, realize you have the power to stop looking to the masters as your authority and telling you what to do and feeding you and clothing you, like stop being a slave, right? But again, if we think that just abstaining from doing stuff is enough, it's just simply not. We have to be moving forward. We have to be going into the promised land. This is why I think there's so many Christians who are leaving the church, not because it was necessarily a bad experience, but because, I mean, ultimately the reason why I left the church is because I realized like I'm tired of wandering around the wilderness and just hearing the same sermons over and over again. I want to march into the promised land. I am really good at abstaining. I'm really good at staying away from sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I did that. But you're telling me that God's going to magically bless me for that, but that's not happening. Because it's actually insanity to believe that you can get a crop by abstaining from planting. In other words, if I'm not planting a crop, if I'm not moving forward, then I'm not moving forward, period. And this is where religion gets us stuck. Religion doesn't understand faith. Faith is an active thing that moves you forward. It moves you beyond the idea of morality because ultimately you start understanding, hey, I could be wandering around the wilderness endlessly forever for the rest of my life trying to become the perfect moral person. It's just simply not going to happen. But ironically, when you abandon that pursuit of trying to be this perfect person and please God, and you start using faith, all of a sudden you step into this understanding, this whole other world where you realize, oh my gosh, as I'm moving forward, building my own kingdom on this earth, I find myself becoming more and more naturally moral because I start understanding if I'm going to be a business owner and I'm going to have employees, I want to treat them the way that I would want to be treated. And morality and the law of sowing and reaping and these principles of faith just become sort of no brainers. It just comes like, oh yeah, that's right. In order to even start a business, to start anything, to start a family, to get married, like there is faith. It takes faith. We don't realize because we've compartmentalized, you know, over here, this is religion 
And okay, now it's time for me to use faith. All right, God, I'm going to get out my rosary and say my Hail Marys and pray to God and use the name of Jesus. Okay, now I'm now I'm using faith. But faith is something you actually use all the time. When you get in your car, you use faith. You just believe that everything's going to work well and you're not going to blow up because you've done it so many times. And faith becomes a really powerful thing. It becomes almost a knowing. Faith becomes something that we don't even realize that it's faith because it becomes so second nature, right? When, I, when I'm standing still and I want to move forward, I just take a step. I just think about it. All I have to do is think about it. Like what's amazing is we don't realize the power of faith and how our mentality, mentality being the activity in our brains, actually propels us into action. That it's actually faith that you use to move your physical body from one place to the other. Like in the morning, you're laying in bed, you wake up and you just start thinking about that cup of coffee, right? And in your mind, you're picturing the coffee maker and you're picturing the water and you're seeing yourself doing it. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're out of bed. Your body is automatically walking down the stairs to the kitchen and you start just going through these motions of making coffee. And it's like effortless. You're not even thinking about it. In fact, you're thinking about the next thing you need to do. You're thinking about making breakfast for the kids to get them off to school. This is just happening. You have this faith, this idea, this is where I want to go, okay? We, we don't realize like how powerful this is, this idea of faith that we use all the time. That in your mind, you're laying in bed, you got to get out of bed. You're like, oh, I'm so comfortable here. And you're envisioning the coffee pot, coffee going down your mouth. That's your promised land. Oh, I want to go there. I want to go to that promised land. And you think about it. And the more you realize how much you want that, your body will just automatically get out of bed and automatically go down the stairs and automatically just do everything that you need to do because it's habit. It's a good illustration of what faith is and the kind of groundbreaking foundational faith that completely changes our lives that Jesus was talking about when the people said, what do we do that we may work the works of God? Well, the work of God is to believe. The work of God is to see reality the way that it truly is. And as a spiritual thinker, as a spiritual person, we realize one of the things that Jesus is trying to communicate to us through the law of sowing and reaping is helping us to understand the true cause and effect relationship. If we want to affect change in our lives, it starts in our minds. Faith starts in your mind and in your heart when you believe something and you believe in it enough, and eventually you find yourself just doing the things that need to be done. I mean, yes, sometimes we have to force ourselves and sometimes there's self-sabotage we have to work through, but ultimately it's the more time that you spend envisioning, imagining where you want to be, your promised land, whether it's just the coffee pot in the morning or starting a business or getting the kids to school successfully, navigating your way to work, having a good commute. We are envisioning what we want and then that becomes our reality. This is, this is actually how things work. And the Bible is actually really just trying to teach us this truth. If you want to live the life of faith, it simply is understanding how spiritual reality works. And I use the word spiritual reality, but ultimately, eventually, we're just going to say reality because everyone's going to realize, oh, yeah, this is absolutely true. This is the way the world works. This is what the Bible is teaching us. People are finally starting to understand the Bible is not about what to believe. The Bible is about how to believe. It's not about what faith is necessarily, but how to use faith. 
what the cause and effect relationship between our imagination, our thoughts, our feelings, and then what we see in our reality. I don't even have to spend a lot of time convincing you that this is the case. We understand that this is the case, that stress causes physical ailments, right? We know that having habitually bad, anxious thoughts can cause physical ailments in our body. It proves that what you think, what you believe in your mind, what you obsess about in your mind, this is the reality that you are bringing down into your life. And this is another element of personal sovereignty and free will. Yes, we have direct access to the power of God through personal sovereignty. Jesus said this really clearly. Jesus said, you can ask whatever you want of the Father in my name, and as long as you believe it, as if you've received it, then you'll get it. Ask, seek, knock. Ask and it is given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door is open to you. This is the true understanding, the true meaning of what faith is. Faith is not just believing in a God. It's not just believing in morality. It's not just pledging allegiance to the Bible. It's understanding how the spiritual reality actually works and that because there is a God and that he is inside of me, guiding me, I have this power and how my psychology works in conjunction with the way God created us. I use my imagination through thoughts to create, to see things that don't exist as if they do exist. That's what it says in the, in the book of Hebrews. This is what faith really is. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. For by it men of old gained approval. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Why are some people successful in business and successful in life and other people aren't? The people who are successful understand how faith works. Whether consciously or subconsciously, they are using this idea of faith to affect positive change in your life. So I can look back on my life and realize through the Christian belief system, as I was being led to just focus all of my attention on being a good person, don't do this, don't do that, and don't do this, going in circles around in the wilderness, realizing like looking at my life in terms of, you know, my success of finding a career and money and finances and just finding my place in this world, I'm not going anywhere because I'm focusing all of my attention on what I should not do. It's kind of like taking all of your faith energy, all your faith power, and just throwing it into a black hole. It's just going nowhere. That's what religion causes us to do. It's human nature when somebody wants to march into the promised land that everybody pulls them back and says, no, you can't do that. In the Exodus story where Joshua and Caleb they went out with the spies and they came back and they were saying, yes, we can do this. And the other people were like, no, these people are giants and, you know, we're like just grasshoppers. We can't do it. And ultimately, who was correct? Joshua and Caleb were correct. They did it. And you know what's really funny about this story is you realize this whole time, you know, God wanted them to march into the promised land. And they said, no, we can't do it. So instead, he's like, okay, cool. You're just going to march around in the wilderness until you all die. And then the next generation, I'll see if they have enough faith to do it. So the next generation, Caleb and Joshua are still around. Um, and that's a whole story in itself. People who understand true faith and live by faith are much healthier, physically healthier, will live longer than people who are full of doubt and fear and complaining. 
and bitterness. That's the way it works. When you understand how faith works, then you understand what sin is. Sin is the opposite of faith. Sin is not believing in the spiritual reality. Sin is only seeing reality by your five senses. And if you only see reality by five senses, then of course, then we understand why people steal and covet and look to other people and people cry out for the government to take money from the rich to give to the poor. But what's funny about this story is so this second generation, they march into the promised land. And what, what I think is just hilarious. So they, they just spent the last 40 years just going in circles, right? And then they go to the first city, which is Jericho. And God tells them, okay, I know what you guys are good at. You're good at walking in circles. So all I want you to do is just walk around this city, just walk in circles. And he gives them this whole formula of like walk around one time. And then on the seventh day, walk around seven times or, or whatever he did. And, but it's just funny to me, right? It's kind of a slap in the face, like shake you wake up story that these people were so convinced that they couldn't march into the promised land, that they didn't understand the power of God. They didn't understand their personal sovereignty. They didn't realize that when God gives you a directive, hey, go into the promised land, when God gives you personally a dream or a vision or a goal or desire for your life, that means he also is going to give you the power to accomplish it. If he gives you personal sovereignty, that means that he has to give you the means, the faith, the power by which to see this come to fruition. The second generation goes in, and you're like, wait, what? All they had to do was march around in circles. <laughs> like, it, it just, I don't know about you, but it just makes me realize when you look at your life and you start looking at where you are in your life and where you want to be and all of these like mountains and giants and lions and tigers and bears that you've imagined in your mind that are keeping you from being where you want to go. It's all just an illusion. We start realizing that faith is just seeing the true reality. I mean, there's so much success literature out there that tells us things like, hey, every journey is just one step at a time, right? And we see how just like these Israelites focus, they focus their attention on the negative. No, these people are giants. We can't do it. And that became their reality. That was their faith or their lack of faith, their sin, right? The opposite of faith negative faith. Their negative faith is like, no, we can't do it. We're going to focus on the reasons why we can't accomplish this. But what we're realizing, and this is, if you're not aware, if you haven't spent a lot of time in the self-improvement success literature landscape, you'll realize what's being taught in those books is this idea of faith and spirituality. And it's a very, very simple idea that if you want to be successful, you have to take steps forward. If you want to change your life, you have to change things in your life. To know and not to do is not to know. That's why people who tell me that they have faith in God and they have faith in the Bible and they believe all this stuff, they can say that, but I can look at their life and see how they're living their life. Are you complaining or are you actually moving in the direction that you want to live? Are you moving in a positive direction? That's the only logical conclusion. If you actually have faith, then you will move forward, period. End of story. That's what Jesus was trying to tell us. What do we do that we work the works of God? How do we move forward? Jesus said, oh, it's simple. Just believe. Believe the truth. See the truth. Understand the true reality of your relationship to God, the power of faith. If you could see what is unseen, if you can see how this works, if you can understand how faith works, what sin really is, and what the opposite of it, faith is, 
if you can understand the law of sowing and reaping, then you realize that all you have to do is move forward. You don't have to know every step. All the most successful people in the United States of America, in the world, would echo that, would say that. Because you realize that success in this life, success as a Christian, as a husband, father, businessman, whatever it is you want to be, it's all faith, which essentially means mindset. It means what are you focusing your attention on? Because whatever you focus your attention on is what you're telling the machine of your body and your mind to work towards. So if I'm focusing on the negative, like don't do this, don't do that, I can't do this, this isn't gonna work, you can focus all day long on the negative and what are you doing? You're simply taking your energy, your faith energy, your faith power, and you're just throwing it away. You're feeding the lions, you're throwing it into a black hole. Thinking about why things aren't going to work is foolishness. I'm not saying we don't understand if we're walking down a path that we're not observant of, oh, hey, there's a, a pit over there. I don't want to step on that. Oh, there's a snake over there. I don't want to step on that. We, we're aware of these things. But if you want to move forward, we've got to be positive. I've got to be using faith at least 51% of the time in order to move forward, in order to have any kind of forward momentum. And then it becomes a, a matter of personal power and, and learning how to master your mind and learning how to master your heart and learning how to. Now, when I talk about the heart, I'm going to clarify this in future because it's not just the mind. True faith and true belief is not just a thought, right? Because I can give you thought. I'm giving you a bunch of thoughts right now. And you can mentally assent to it. Just like all these people go to church are mentally assenting to the fact that there's a God, that the Bible is true, Jesus is the son of God, like all this stuff. They're mentally assenting to it, but to know and not to do is not to know. If it's not automatically changing your life and making you a more and more bold person who walks by faith, like Joshua and Caleb, like Moses, like these people in the Bible, like King David, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, the reason why these people are so dynamic, we have to understand a lot of what they did was almost effortless. They saw their sovereignty. They saw the true power that they had through faith. And when you see this spiritual reality, you see a completely different picture. And you realize that all the lions and tigers and bears that are standing in your way are just an illusion. And there's a proverb in the Bible that says, the lazy man says there's a lion in the streets and I can't get to work, as a paraphrase. But you realize like, okay, you can always make up some reason. Oh, there's, I, I can't walk to work because what if I get mugged? I can't go to work because what if I get in a car accident? I can't take my kids to school because what if they get a virus? There's always something that we can invent, something that may actually happen. You're right. If you could learn to take that logic, that faith, the faith that you have in the negative, if you could learn how to flip it and realize, hey, if all of those bad things are true, then why couldn't also positive things be true? I mean, you could be walking to, to work and find a $100 bill on the sidewalk. That could be true. That could happen. You could go to work today and your boss would give you a $1,000 raise. That could happen, right? It could. I mean, is it going to happen? I, maybe, probably not, but it could. I could think about that instead. We don't understand the power of faith. The reason why my life is changing so dramatically is because I stopped throwing away my energy and giving my energy to the negative, throwing my faith energy into a black hole. Because faith, it's not something that we just pull out and use occasionally. It's something that we're doing all the time. 
When Jesus said, ask and ye shall receive, this is actually something that's happening all the time. That verse in the Bible that says, pray without ceasing, we don't realize that we are praying without ceasing. Whatever that inner chatter in your mind is, good, bad, negative, or whatever, this is what you're focusing your attention on. This is what you're believing in. Whatever you focus your mind energy on, that's what you believe in. And are we surprised, especially in the middle of this pandemic and all this stuff? I'm like, yes, we need to protect ourselves. Yes, we need to be smart. But if I am focusing all of my energy on thinking about all the bad things that could happen to me and my children, what is happening to me? Look at what happens to you when you do that. Are we surprised that so many people have anxiety disorder now? It's because of where you are allowing your thought energy your faith energy, your attention to go. You're believing more in death than in life. If we want to move forward, we have to move forward. There has to be positive, right? I can't become a successful person in this world by just refraining to steal from my neighbor. Okay, I'm going to be a good person. I'm not going to steal from my neighbor. I used to be a horrible person. I used to steal. I used to be this bad person. But now I'm a good person because I don't do those things. That's only half the battle. If you're just abstaining from doing things, that means literally you're doing nothing. And how can you expect to be a successful person doing nothing? And the problem is a lot of times when we move forward and we use our willpower to do the right things, like going to work and whatever, we don't realize we're actually self-sabotaging us. You're driving to work and you're thinking about all the things you hate about work and you're thinking about how you'd like to chew out your boss and you're thinking about that coworker that's such an asshole. You're thinking like all these negative things. So even though you're doing the right thing and you think you're moving your life forward in a physical way, hey, I'm, I'm using my willpower to get myself to work and I'm going through the motions. Your faith power, your mind power, what you're focusing your attention on that is way more powerful than what you are doing with your hands. And that's the amazing thing about us humans. And we'll talk about the difference between faith and sin and how we as humans have this ability to be thinking and feeling one thing, but then to behaving in a different way. And if you look at how Jesus described this, this is the very thing that he's trying to save us from. He's trying to point this out to us. Go beyond the law of Moses and say, hey, listen, the reason why the law of Moses is not enough is because you can go through these motions like the Pharisees did. You can go through all the rules, but inside your heart, you're thinking something else. There's a proverb that says something like, and I'm just going to paraphrase it again. Beware of the man who invites you over to his home and tells you eat and drink and be merry. But inside his heart, he's wicked and he has bad intentions or something like that. This is the true definition of sin. This is what Jesus is trying to draw our attention to, realizing, hey, just because you're going through the motions, you're doing the right things, does not mean that that is not sin. Because true faith has to be done, not just by getting yourself to work, even though you hate your boss and you're thinking and you're bitter and whatever. That kind of behavior just keeps you wandering around the wilderness, right? Because you're doing the right thing. Hey, I'm moving forward. I'm making it happen. But inside, you're not. You're sabotaging yourself. And that's what keeps us marching around and repeating the same patterns over and over again. Take away 
heaven, hell, all that. To be a successful human being that has a productive life that is more positive than negative. Let's just define it that way. Let's say if my life is going to be successful, that means I'm going to experience more positive things than negative things. So this is what we are actually being saved from, is we're being saved from religion. We're being saved from having this shell existence where we can use our willpower to force ourselves to quote unquote, do the right thing. Meanwhile, inside our inner dialogue is just negative and gross and self-defeating and self-sabotaging. And then we wonder like why we're not successful people. I can just tell you from personal experience, the reason why I was not a successful person is because yeah, I was going through the motions and doing all the right things, but my heart and my mind were not in alignment with each other. And here's the thing, once you grasp this concept and realize this is absolutely imperative that we have our hearts and our minds together, that we're never doing things that are insincere. But what did Jesus say? He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is evil. When somebody asks us, hey, do you want to give to this charity? That we are being honest. You're, you're not going to receive any benefit from doing something that you really truly don't want to do. And even Jesus said, you know, the Pharisees who give their alms to the poor on the street corners, blaring trumpets for everybody to see, they have the reward in full. You're doing this very clearly just to be seen and good for you. There's your reward. But if you truly want this to be a spiritual sowing and reaping thing, then he said, if you want that, then don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We understand that living from the ego, living just to prove ourselves to other people is a very empty existence. And, you know, we make fun of Hollywood people or celebrities for doing that, like doing everything on Instagram and whatever, just to be seen by people. And it's so obvious to us like, oh, I just woke up out of bed and like, here's a selfie and like my makeup's perfect. And I'm like the hottest person in the world. Like, oh, look at my life. It's so perfect. We just roll our eyes about that. We're just like, okay, whatever. Or our politicians, you know, they are constantly lying to us and we just like, okay, yeah, that's just what they do. You know, ends justify the means. They're just trying to say things to get elected. And we all just kind of bought into this idea that, okay, well, you know, ultimately the ends justify the means. Ultimately, good can only be accomplished by getting everybody to this point. And so it doesn't really matter how we get there as long as we get there. But that is the antithesis of what we learn in true spirituality. In true spirituality, how you get there is the only thing that's really important. That is not necessarily about the destination of going to the promised land. It's learning how to activate this faith. We are not going to be the best version of ourselves if we don't learn how and what faith truly is. We'll continue this conversation where we'll continue talking about faith and then also talk about the converse. If faith is a positive moving forward, then what is sin? What is sin actually? Is it just doing bad stuff? Anyway, we'll get to that in the next episode. Thank you so much for spending time with me. This is Christopher David Gray with Conversations of a Christian Kid, where we were talking about faith, the faith, the faith, and we cut through religion to find the true Christ. Thanks again for spending this time with me.